Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Well, hello, everybody. What's going on? Today is Wednesday. It's the 8th of September, 2021. You know, it's been, what, since May, since I've put out a show here? So welcome back to me. All right, let's talk a little bit about ATF, a little bit about politics, and a little bit about this ammo sanction that we've got going on. And we will do that once we get our contact info posted. So I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. You can call that as many times as you want. The only thing is you are limited to 90 seconds per call. If you would rather record your own audio and have me play it for you on the show or write an email and have me read it out for you, the place to send that is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. If you go over to the website, which is firearmscafe.com, you'll find buttons for all my social media stuff as well as a PayPal donation button. And if you would ever consider donating to the show, you can just click on that and follow the on-screen prompts. If you would like to support the show in a way other than financially, you could tell your friends about the show or go over and subscribe to my YouTube channel. All right, I think that is about it. Let's go ahead and let's jump in with a little bit of political talk. I guess the, the big thing that's going to be coming up for us is in the midterm election, will the Senate go back to the Republicans? Now, I'm no fan of the Republicans. I'm no fan of the Democrats. But at least with the Republicans, although they are kind of Casper milk toast and don't really push forward anything that would actually help us when they actually have some power, at least they're not actively seeking to disarm us. And that is something that the Democrats are doing right now. They're putting that stuff out on Front Street. They're not hiding. They're not trying to be particularly subtle about it. Here in Arizona, both of our senators are Democratic, and Mark Kelly, who never met a gun control measure he didn't absolutely 100% love, is running for re-election. Who are they going to put against him? I don't know. Will he? He ran as a moderate, and he's been keeping real quiet. He hasn't been doing a whole lot of really crazy stuff, and I think part of that is, again, long-term strategy in that if he gets re-election this time, instead of just being in office for a couple of years, he will have been in, he'll, he'll go for another six. And then I think once his position is secured for those six years, we are going to see a lot of stuff from him, a lot of bills coming forward that are anti-gun. Uh, in my opinion, the guy is a, a lapdog to the party. He's going to do whatever the Democratic Party says. He's not going to represent the, the best interest of people in Arizona, nor the uh, American people at large on the federal level. So hopefully he will get out. I have heard uh, that maybe Herschel Walker is running in Georgia. Again, I don't really know much about Georgia politics. I'm not exactly sure. Does he actually have a shot? Maybe some of you guys that are out there or, or know a little bit better, or is it just sort of a, it's kind of a fluke thing and, and uh, we're only hearing about it because of his name recognition. 
So that's, you know, uh, we're not really going to cover a lot of new ground as far as, you know, what's going on with the Senate. We do, like I said, we do need to have it flipped back right now. It's 50, 50, which give, which basically means that the vice president is the tiebreaker, meaning that it is a democratic controlled Senate. So it'll be interesting to see what happens then. What is going on? Oh, well, and I guess maybe maybe one last thing. The question is, will there be too many news cycles that will have come and gone and have kind of buried the stink of the Afghan withdrawal debacle? If it were held today, I think the Senate would handily flip back to the Republicans. Basically a year from now, you know, who knows? Again, let's, let's, uh, let's pop over to uh, ATF land and kind of what's going on over there. We see that they are currently attacking the pistol braces. I think it was at yesterday at uh, you know 11.59, something like that was your last chance to get in some comments on that. I don't know that they're going to be able to say that the pistol brace, if, if you've bought a complete rifle with a pistol brace on it, if they're going to say, no, that's now a short barrel rifle and you have to either destroy it or pay your tax. I don't know if they're going to say, even if you have a pistol brace and you bought it separate of any pistol, AR pistol or, or uh, AK-47 type pistol, that or you know any any of the type of variant, many variants that are out there, that uh, you you can keep the brace, but you can't you know ever put it back on because if you do, it's going to be a short barrel rifle. Although I would say eventually they'd probably want you to destroy it because uh, they would they're going to probably come after it under intent that they could say you have constructive intent, all this type of stuff. So anyway, I don't think it's going to be able to be pushed through. I think even if they do make some new interpretation that they will be, uh, there will be numerous lawsuits. And I think eventually it would go in our favor, meaning that if you have a pistol brace on a pistol, you can shoulder it and it doesn't turn it into a short barrel rifle. Now, the, the reality of what should actually happen is they should just get rid of the SBR designation altogether and then it just wouldn't matter. But unfortunately, that's not going to happen. It could happen maybe in the future, but it's probably not going to happen right now as a solution to this thing that we're going through. The other thing is, and it's sort of along the same, oh, maybe the same tack, I guess, or the same uh, situation. It's similar in principle with 3D printing. So with so, so-called, you know, ghost guns, and they're trying to say, oh, you're going to have to have a serial number on it, and you're going to have to do this, you're going to have to do that. But the big problem with that is I don't know how you would ever enforce it without registration. That doesn't it just doesn't make any sense to me because how would they ever know? Uh, right now, of course, you can, and it's and it's been law for years and years, and people have been doing it. It's a common practice that if you want to make your own firearm for personal use, you don't have to worry about putting a serial number on it. So again, is it one of those things of they just want it on the book so that if they went into somebody's home who and they found, let's say, you had three D printed. 10 AR-15 lowers uh, just to try and, you know, do different experimentation and all this other stuff. 
Or are they going to charge you with 10 and you never put any serial numbers on them? Are they then going to charge you with 10 counts and put you in prison for 100 years type thing? Because again, unless you were willing to register every single thing that you would make, and let's say you did one as an experiment and it didn't really turn out or the print went wrong, do you still have to register that? Do you still have to have a serial number? You know, it's, it's all kind of nonsense. But again, both of those two things, I think, will fall under, just because of the sheer number of stuff that's out there, would fall under common use. And so I think that no matter what they do, it could be challenged in court and probably you would get a favorable ruling to us is that it's common use and you can't, you can't just capriciously say this is illegal now when especially before you were saying it was fine. The third thing I wanted to talk about, and I don't, I'm not exactly 100% sure what's going to happen. I don't think that he will be able to make it, which is the David Chipman. He's been nominated by the Biden administration to take over for the ATF. The guy is just a total dirtbag. I do not think his nomination will go through. I don't know whether or not there is enough kickback from uh, the other people in government from the uh, from the Republican side I don't know if there'd be enough conservative effort to to block him maybe there would maybe there wouldn't I had written a letter to uh, Kirsten Cinema who is our Democrat federal senator out here from Arizona basically got back kind of a form letter pretty much just saying oh you know, uh, thank you for, for writing. Now, let me pull it up here. I think I've got it. Basically, you know, thank you for contacting me about the nomination of David Chipman to serve as director of the ATF, um, blah, blah, blah. And, and basically what she says is, uh, Biden nominated Chipman to serve as a director, uh, blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of just form stuff. And it says, as Arizona, as Arizona's senior senator, that's funny how they throw that in, I will evaluate every presidential nominee based on whether he or she is professionally qualified, believes in the mission of his or her agency, and can be trusted to faithfully execute and uphold the law as it exists. Should Chipman's nomination come for a vote before the full Senate, I will thoughtfully consider his confirmation. And then it's just, you know, thank you very much, blah, blah, blah. Now, did did she sit down and pen that? Absolutely not. It was somebody from her office. Uh, But, you know, I'm sure... The tone of it is what she wants to do. But again, this is kind of going back to some of that stuff. What she's done there is basically given kind of a middle-of-the-road moderate answer. Based on some of the stuff that I've seen her do in the past, I don't know if she would vote for his confirmation or not. She might because she has held out against the party on the whole getting rid of the filibuster thing. And we won't go into too much detail on that, but so I don't know, maybe she, if Chipman goes through, maybe she doesn't uh, oppose him and actually maybe even kind of says, okay, well, I, you know, I uh, will vote for his nomination to kind of make amends for the filibuster thing. You know, who, who knows? And of course, Kelly, I didn't even bother to write him. I should have, I should have just so that he gets and sees that there are people who don't want this guy out there. And I said, I should have, and shame on me for not doing that, but at the time, I just thought, ah, eh, there's no, you know, there's no, uh, there's no use. It's like, you know, I, I dropped my iPhone into 
a vat of hot lava, I'm not going to reach my hand in there because all it's going to do is end up hurting me. Type, you know, like it's it's gone. Just forget about it. So anyway, we'll we'll have to see kind of what happens with the shipment. So that's sort of the three things that are going on with the ATF. The final thing we'll talk about today in today's show will probably be a little bit shorter today. We'll probably come in under about a half an hour or so. Is what is going on with the sanctions on Russia with the banning of the importation of ammunition from any ammo that's made in Russia. And so what does that mean for us? And without going maybe too far down into the weeds, when we look at the numbers of how much ammunition is maybe consumed, you see sort of different things. You'll see numbers uh, around on the low end, saying it's around 800 million rounds that Americans consume of the Russian ammo per year up to like 2.3 billion. So, I mean, that's a pretty, a pretty large range. So I, and I don't know, I don't know maybe if the 2.3 billion, maybe that number represents all ammo that comes in per year. That's in, that's imported, not just Russian, you know, so I, I don't know, or maybe that's, Maybe that's how much Russian stuff comes in and what's sold per year. You know, I, I don't know. I, again, the numbers are, it's hard to get an accurate number. But it's a lot. Uh, so what does that mean for us in gun world? And I think the main thing it means is that the ammo prices and the ammo crisis and shortage isn't going to go anywhere for at least a couple more years. The sanctions are good for a year. Uh, but, but... The reality of sanctions is they don't really ever go away unless we got at the next election in 2024 a super pro gun president and that and he goes in and says nah we're taking the ammo off of that and they can come back and you know we can reimport stuff from uh, from Russia again and again this is one of those things where it's a backdoor gun control thing this isn't going to affect Russia at all it it may affect some of those companies but they're not going to have they don't have any recourse to go up against their their government that's and you know i i would imagine it's probably like 0.001 percent of of you know what they bring in in a year type thing as far as the the money that they get it will be interesting to see well what will some of these russian companies do because there's no sanctions on ukraine or latvia or yugoslavia so Will a company that that makes Wolf or Tula ammo, will they say, oh, well, what we'll do is we'll just open a factory in Ukraine. Do they then just ship a bunch of ammo that they've already made in Russia over there and then it gets shipped out? You know, there's all sorts of wonky stuff that can go on in the import, export businesses and all that stuff. With the amount of ammo that's out there, it's... I think for those companies and those businesses, it's too lucrative of a business to just let it go away. So let's say that they think, well, let's say Wolf and Tula are like, well, we can we pretty much sell everything that we that we make to the you know to the Americans and to some other countries as well. But especially you know America buys pretty much everything that that we're that we're making. So it's going to be worth it to us to go over buy a factory in Ukraine, move our corporate headquarters to Ukraine, even if it's just on paper, then 
they're they're sort of back in business. And you wonder too. Well, I don't know. There's w- without trying to go down into conspiracy politics and all this other stuff. Uh, again, I don't know. Or will it be a thing of that other other well, we'll use the term foreign manufacturers of ammunition who are shipping stuff in right now? Are they going to say, "Oh, here's this huge opportunity"? Even if we get half of that low end number, so even if we can say, "Okay, we're going to sell," if if we kind of tool up and increase production, we'll sell an additional 400 million rounds of ammunition every single year. And again, that's a lucrative plum to try and reach out and grab. So it, uh, like I said, it, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen. And I guess if somebody were to say, "Well, do you think the American companies are going to do that? Are they going to?" And they're kind of running at full full tilt right now. But are are they going to open new factories and do all this other stuff? And I look, I understand it's not the, a matter of oh they go down to an old abandoned you know grocery store and then they just tool up and and in a month they're up and running. It, it's a lot more than that, and it's a a substantial investment on their part. I would say the American companies probably are not because they don't have a need to right now. They are running full tilt. The only thing that might be different is if they say, well, look, these sanctions aren't going to go away, so there is a lucrative market there for us. I don't know, though, if they would say, you know what, this cheaper steel-cased ammo, if we make the investment in that type of machinery to be able to produce it, and again, I don't know, do you... Do you have? I don't think you have to have it be burden as as a, a bird burden primer as opposed to boxer. I'm sure you could do it that way if you wanted. Uh, but anyway, maybe it maybe there's something with the steel case. I'm not knowledgeable enough on that to sort of comment. If if I had to kind of place a wager on, do I think that the, Amer- the American companies will pick up the slack? They will a tiny bit. I would say just uh, probably not. They will a tiny bit, but not much again because they they don't have to. They're selling everything that they're making right now, and they will say, "Well, if we look traditionally at what happens in the states, is we have these peaks and valleys that are closely tied to the political climate, or you know we can say things of maybe civil unrest like we saw with the." With the pandemic, with the George Floyd's riots, with you know all that stuff, with the police departments getting kind of defunded or getting um, like we saw on the on the West Coast, the Pacific West Coast, getting um, stations were just abandoned by the police and they were allowed to be taken over, all this sort of stuff. So it, I I think for the American manufacturers, they're there's not a whole lot in it for them to do that because I think they know, oh, some foreign competitors will do that or they will pick up the slack or they're going to say, well, Wolf is just going to move and and send a, uh, and make a plant in Ukraine or Latvia or something like that and then, or Yugoslavia or, you know, wherever, and then it will just be imported from there. And so it'll sort of be business as usual for them. So anyway, I think that is going to do it. I know the show is a little bit short today. Hopefully it wasn't too rambling. But I think we'll maybe draw the show to a close. 
Well, hey guys, you are getting time warped here a little bit, but I had an outro and I'm going to just edit that out. I was getting ready to end the show from yesterday. And as I was getting ready to edit that from yesterday, I saw that it looks like one of the things we were talking about yesterday is, oh, what's going to happen with Chipman is it looks like the White House has withdrawn their nomination of him. Now, I read through several different articles, you know, from the liberal stuff to the uh, conservative stuff, and it doesn't look like they are floating up another name just yet. Uh, But Chipman, again, we were talked about that he, you know, he was an activist and an advocate for gun control. And right now he is currently, I think, a senior policy advisor to the group Giffords, which is a gun control group. Remember yesterday we were talking about Mark Kelly. So Giffords um, was a group that was founded by Gabrielle Giffords, who got shot back in 2011 out here in Arizona. And again, they are super anti-gun. Her husband is our current Democrat Senator Mark Kelly, who is up for election again, like we were talking about in 2022. So hopefully, so that should tell you all you need to know about is Mark Kelly going to be even a tiny bit favorable to anything that is pro-gun. So, all right, uh, that will wrap it up. So we did get some good news there. Who knows who's coming after him? The, uh, let me give you the um, contact info here real quick, which is, the uh, voicemail, 206-745-2731. Email is firearmscafe at protonmail.com, all one word. And I'd love to hear from you guys. And that will do it for today. So we did go out on some good news. And I will talk to you guys next time. Black coffee, I'm so dizzy. Black coffee, please get dizzy. Oh, 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 oh. Now they do get home. Black coffee, I'm so dizzy. Black coffee, please get dizzy. Oh, 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 oh. Now they do get home. Black coff
I'm not gonna get home. 